Psalm book. Let's mark number 451. We'll sing that uh, after our next lesson. Again, Alan, we are certainly appreciative of your, uh, of, of your lessons thus far. We look forward to all the remaining ones. If you would, let's now turn to number 432. Number 432, O for a faith that will not shrink. We will sing all four verses. And then uh, after that, we'll be led in prayer and then uh, have Alan speak with us again. I oh, just want to remind everyone uh, about the question and answer session at 1.30 this afternoon. Uh, just make sure you're jotting down little things that uh, you may want to bring up later. So uh, just wanted to point that back out to everybody. Again, number 432, all four verses. Oh, for a faith that will not shrink, though pressed by every foe, that will not tremble on the brink of any earthly woe, that will not murmur or complain beneath the chastening rod, but in the hour of grief or pain will lean upon its God. A faith that shines more bright and clear when tempest rage without that when in danger knows no fear, in darkness feels no doubt. Lord, give us such a faith as this, and then whatever may come, we'll taste in here the hallowed bliss of an eternal home. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 as we begin. Reminded of the preacher whose audience kept going to sleep on him. And uh, he decided that he would 
try to help them stay with him. So he said, next Sunday I'd like for everybody to start taking notes to follow along, so that'll help you stay engaged with the lesson. And he was very serious about it. He passed out the paper and pencils the next Sunday, and everybody was dutifully following along, taking notes. And a man came in late, sat in the back, and he saw everybody's taking notes, but the preacher didn't say, seem to be saying anything that was worth writing down. So he leaned up over, looked over the shoulder of the lady that was sitting in front of him to see what she was writing. And she was writing, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. <laughs> you need to take notes this hour, take notes. We're going to talk about the 40s and the 50s. This is the fall of a man's life. And it goes from age 40 through age 60. That's the, the length of time we'll talk about. But really what we're going to talk about in this hour is managing time wisely. Because it is at this stage of life when most men discover that they may not have enough time to accomplish all that they wanted to do in life. They realize that life is indeed short and I am not where I wanted to be by this stage in my life. Sometimes called the midlife crisis. And some men do some crazy things that they ought not do at that stage of life. But others make wise decisions. We might call them mid-course adjustments that will allow them to land in the right spot. They will also allow them to be more productive than they would have been otherwise. But the earlier we learn these things, maybe you're still in your 30s or your 20s, these principles, the earlier you learn them, the better off you will be. These are principles I remember some years ago. It was probably, I was probably in my 30s at that time. I was about to burn out. I mean, I had a lot of irons in the fire, small children, you know, preaching in the pulpit. and I was, I was just really not in a good place mentally and spiritually, spiritually okay, mentally. And I remember we went on vacation somewhere. It was over Christmas. And I went to Books a Million and just bought maybe five books on time management. And over the course of those that week or two, I just read through those. And that really changed my life. I mean, it helped me to become more productive and more at a more sustainable pace. And that's what we're talking about here is sustaining the pace. You can't, you can't sprint all the time. You've got to learn to build into, if you're a runner, you know, build in a pace that you can manage over the long term. You, you know, life's not a sprint, life's a marathon. So we'll talk about principles. These would be true regardless of what your job is. In fact, the books that I were reading were from a business perspective. But they apply to preachers, they will apply to plumbers, they'll apply to accountants, whatever your area is. And they also apply to church work. And you can take these same principles and you can get more done. Uh, we only have one life, you know. And it's going to be gone soon enough. You want to do as much for God as you can during those years. And in order to do that, <clears throat> there, there, there really aren't many shortcuts. I'll just put that out there to begin with. If you're going to be successful in life, it is likely going to require you to work smart and work hard. The best prizes are heavily competed for. Um, but if you can make a 10% productivity increase, and a 1% personal betterment in a year compounded over decades, that is tremendous change. And especially early on, you can make 10% jumps. Later, it will be more, you know, 2%, 1%, half percent, but you can still improve even at the latest part of life. And also, you will be improving most likely at a far more rapid pace than those that you're competing against. 
I'm using compete, competing in a loose sense, you know, but if you're in a company and you're wanting to advance and be the boss one day, then there are other people who have those aisle in the same chair, you know, so you, you, if you're going to beat them, you're going to have to be the best. And so that, that will be important. But more from, from our perspective, if we want to do our best for God, you know, we stand before Him, He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all we want, you know, just well done. Enter in the joys of our Lord, Matthew 25, 12. So, so there's not a, there are not a lot, of, a lot of shortcuts. I remember reading from uh, Greg, the, the uh, cartoonist that does the Luann strip. He, says, he said, in a quote that's meant something to me over the years, he said, I, I'm not, um, I don't light up a room when I walk in. I don't have faultless good looks. I can't run a mile in under six minutes. I have succeeded because I was still working when other people went to bed. There's a lot of truth to that. I remember hearing George Bailey say at PTP, the last time he was there, we went out to Apple Barn and had lunch. And he spent so much time with my kids, and I treasure that memory. But he said, I think it was at that lunch, maybe it was in a session earlier that day, he said, Work hard when you don't have to, so you don't have to work hard when you don't want to. And I think about that every day. Now, working hard and working smart are both important. Time is important. Manage, you don't really manage time. You manage yourself in relation to time. And you don't really manage yourself in relation to time. You manage your energy in relation to time. Uh, you need to understand, we need to understand who we are, what, how our bodies react, and how they are different at different stages of life and also different times of the day. We'll touch on that as we go through here. But these are some principles that, you, that, that can be used. William Penn said, uh, time is what we value the most but use the worst. And that's true of most people. Um, Queen Elizabeth I said on, on her deathbed, all my possessions for a moment of time. But you can't buy an inch of time with an inch of gold. In some ways, time is more valuable than gold because if you have $100 and you spend it, well, you'll never have that $100 back, but you could probably make another $100. But if you squander a day, you will never get that day back and you can't buy another day. So time is more valuable than money because it's limited, because it's irretrievable, and because it's a gift from God. So time is valuable and our relationship to time is important. So the more we can learn to manage ourselves in relation to the number of days that we have, the more we'll get done, and the more the kingdom can be advanced by, the, by us or our genera- in our generation. Um, so let's talk about some time management principles. Number one, <clears throat> priority. Prioritize. You want to get more done, prioritize. This is, this is the one that's usually overlooked. You know, choosing what to spend time on is the most important decision you make. But that's the one people don't give any, any thought to. There's one man that I read after who said that he spends the first hour of his day planning the rest of the day. I don't need an hour, but you, and you don't probably, but you need t- some time to plan. Not, if you don't have a plan, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Other people will manage your time for you. Here, come here and do this. You got time for this? Talk to me here. You know, people will manage, and people deserve part of our time, but only in relation to our priorities. You know, this person 
may not deserve my time as much as my wife deserves my time. Or this person who's a lost soul that I'm trying to win, they deserve as much time as I can give them because their soul is valuable. But this other guy that's my buddy that just comes in to shoot the breeze with me over a cup of coffee every morning for 20 minutes doesn't deserve that same 20 minutes. So you have to manage, you have to prioritize. Um, When Charles Schwab was president of Bethlehem Steel, you know, we, we know him as a financial manager probably, but before that he was president of Bethlehem Steel, and he had so much going on he couldn't get his, all his work done. And he reached out to a consultant whose name was Ivy Lee, and he said, uh, Mr. Lee, if you can show me how to get more done, I will pay you anything within reason. But Ivy Lee said, take out a piece of paper. Okay, he said, I want you to write everything that you've got to do today on the paper. And he took, went and sat down at a table and he, he spent some minutes writing that. He came back. He tried to hand it to Ivy Lee and he said, no, I don't want to see it. He said, I want you to go back and sit down and number those items in order of real importance. So he went and sat back down and he thought about which ones were the most important and he numbered them. And he came back and he tried to hand the paper to him again. He said, I don't need to see it. He said, what I want you to do is start with number one. And when you fin- don't do anything else until you finish it. Then go to number two. When you've done everything that you can do toward the completion of number two, go to number three. And at the end of your day, you won't have all your lists done, but you know you will have accomplished the most important things today. And he said, do that for a few weeks. If it works for you, I want you to introduce it to your company, your business, and go um, company-wide with it. And, you know, later on, you pay me whatever you think it's worth. Some months later, Ivy Lee went to the mailbox, opened up, got a Bethlehem steel envelope and opened it. There's a check inside for $25,000. It was about, you know, about six sentences is all he really had with Charles Schwab and that was when $25,000 was a lot of money. But later, Charles Schwab said, that's the best $25,000 I ever spent. Prioritize. I mentioned Ephesians 5, so let's read that. Verse um, <clears throat> 16, redeeming the time for the day because the days are evil. Redeeming means to buy back, to use wisely. So, we only have about 29,000 days. In fact, you probably will have, if I live to be 84 years of age, I'll have 28,000 and change of days. I will have lived that long. You can figure up, that's the reason I I said 28,000 because I went online and you can do that. You know, figure out the day that you'll die if you plug in your health and your age and your uh, gender and your uh, race and so forth. It'll spit out. I'm supposed to die in 2050. I'll be 84 years, 3 months, and 17 days old at that time. That's no guarantee. I may not be here tomorrow. You may not either. But 28,000 days, I'm not going to get more than whatever it is that I have when it comes. And maybe, you know, I've lived about 18,000 now, so I've got maybe 10,000 days left. And one of those is precious. You know, I'm spending a day with you. One of my days, one of my 10,000 days I'm spending here today. And I can't think of a place I'd rather be than talking about the Bible to people that want to hear about serving God. Prioritize. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Colossians 3.1 and 2, Set your affections on things above, and not on things on the earth. 
Matthew 6, 19 to 21, lay up, not, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth the rest of the thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. So our heart needs to be in the right place. And our heart needs to be in the kingdom. And spiritual things need to take precedent over mundane things. But we have to work through the mundane things in, because we live in a material world. That's the first one. Prioritize. Now let's talk about a second one. Be goal-oriented and determined. This one is really... Uh, sometimes I'm asked to speak on time management and do a series on it. And uh, I always, always say this is the most important thing. More than anything else that will be said during a whole seminar on time management is what's my attitude toward time. I mean, you can have certain principles that will get you an extra hour a day. But if you're just going to use it to watch TV, what's the use of having an extra hour? You know, what do you want to get done? The most important thing is your attitude toward desiring to finish things. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, inasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Somewhere along the way, it dawned on me that working is not what I really enjoy, and if you'll pardon a personal illustration, but it's productivity. It's getting things done. Now, you can, you can work and you can be tired or you can work and you can be energized, but actually completing the task is when the energy, at least for me, when, that, when the energy comes in. So I try to build in certain things during a day. If I've got a big project that I'm working on, I may invest six hours or seven hours in that work on it most of the day. But sometime during the day, I'm going to do some things that I can finish pretty quickly so that when I sit down or lay down at night and go back over my day, then I can say, well, this I got this done today. I got this done today. I got this done today. Make good progress on this. So be goal-oriented. There are some people that begin projects, they never finish them. You know, I'm going to clean up my garage. You can dig everything out, and then you get busy on something else. You just push it all back in, and you never finish the task. There are people that do sermons that way. They do bulletin articles that way. Manuscripts, you know, you get asked to write a manuscript, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever done a book. <laughs> I probably have. And you have to get other people to contribute chapters. How many are ready by the time of the deadline? You know, not even half. You have to call them, email them, say, well, you know, finish. I try to be the first one to finish a, a manuscript. If somebody sends it in, you know, you've got, you got to do a chapter in a book. Well, you're going to have to spend the same amount of time, whether you do it now or you do it two months from now. Go ahead and do it and get it sent off and you don't have to worry about it. And, and then you've got time to do a better job if you do it the last night. Like we did with college papers, you know, you remember that? You know, you know, the whole semester you got to write a paper and it's due on this date, it's on the syllabus. And when, do, when does everyone do his paper? Stay up all night, drink, you know, energy drinks or whatever. Somehow, and did they do their best work? No, they just got some words on the paper and got it turned in. You know, got a decent grade maybe. Didn't learn anything, didn't benefit from it, didn't represent them well. You could have done a little bit over time and actually finished it and done something... I still use some of the papers from school, you know, that go back. I did, we used one from Matthew this last week that I wrote 1984, but I was preaching on Matthew. went back and some of that research that was done then, it's still, you know, Matthew hadn't changed since 1984, you know, so that's still, that material's still very applicable. So that's the second one, goal-oriented, a finished task. Number three, use time-saving, time-savers. 
me give you a few. These are mostly from a business perspective, but I found them to be very helpful. Uh, number one, use small amounts of time. Most time is wasted in minutes, not hours, and therefore most time is gained in minutes, not hours. Um, maybe you've heard the illustration about the barrel and the, and the um, cannonballs. You got a 50-gallon drum, you put the cannonballs in, fill it all the way to the top, you ask somebody, is that full? Yeah, you couldn't get any more cannonballs in there. But then, you uh, take marbles and you pour a bucket of marbles. Could you fit the marbles in there? Yeah, they'd go down in the... You ask somebody, is that full? Yeah, it's full now, for sure. Got marbles and cannonballs in there. You got BB shot. You shake it and you pour the BB shot in there. Could you fit a BB shot in there? Yeah. Say, is it full? Oh, it's got to be full now. Sand? Pour sand, shake it. Would, could you put some sand in there? All the way to the top. Is it full now? Well, look, preacher, it's completely full. You couldn't get anything. It's nothing smaller than sand. I mean, that's as full as you're going to get it. Bucket of water? Would it go in there? Yeah. Life's like that. You got the cannonballs. You got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to work. You got these big chunks of time that are going to get taken from your schedule. But what about the time between? There's a lot of marbles and BB shot and sand and water that can fit in. Uh, <clears throat> most of the time, here, here's, here's some things. I always have something with you that you can do. I take my laptop everywhere I go, um, and you, you know, it, it doesn't shut off when I open it. It comes up automatically, and it'll connect automatically to my phone if I have my internet on. So I could be working in about, you know, even 10 seconds after I open the thing, I can be working. And I work in the van a lot, you know. I, I work, you know, Melissa has to go into Walmart. Well, I don't have anything I need. I'll sit in the car for 20 minutes. You know, you can get a lot of work done in 20 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever it ends up being. What about uh, waiting in line at uh, Walgreens, you know, drive-through? Sometimes there may be three cars in front of you. I used to get so frustrated waiting in line. Now, it doesn't bother me at all. I see three cars, I say, that's no big deal. Because I keep cards to send to members. I uh, have one of our secretaries to address them, put postage on them, uh, postcards. So I got a black pen I keep beside them. So I put it in park and I just start writing cards. And then I'll ease up when one car moves and I'll write. You can write, you know, I've written 25 cards waiting in line for Walgreens. And you can do them at stoplight. Sometimes I'll do that, you know. I, red light, stop the red light. You can write three cards in one red light, you know, just reach over there. It's a small amount of time. Um, prayer. Let me use another one. I can't talk too much long about that one. Let's go to... Uh, well, let me give you this, give you the scriptures on it. Acts 8, verse 28, and Acts 10, 9 and 10. What was the Ethiopian doing when somebody else was driving? He was reading his Bible. Um, you know, that's why I do my, my Bible reading through the Bible is in the, in the car. It's on, on our phones, you know. Bluetooth is coming down here, uh, you know, going on a trip. I'm through this year's reading and I'm into 2 Samuel for next year. Just listening, you know, as you drive along. Um, prayer. Sometimes I drive. I pray while I while I drive. 
I don't close my eyes when I pray when I drive. <laughs> I don't know if the Bible says you've got to close your eyes, you know. So you can pray. That's what uh, Peter went up on the roof and prayed while they were fixing lunch for him. You know, he was hungry. Fifteen minutes a day equals 90 hours in a year. That's a lot of just two weeks. Number two on this time savers overlap. Um, give you an illustration. This would be different depending on what your job is, but I'll, I'll give you an idea. If you can do two, kill two birds with the same stone, why don't you do it? Like uh, in preaching, this is how it works for me at least. And I put a, a lot of hours in, a, in, I usually preach the same topic, Bible class and two sermons on Sunday at Jacksonville. So let's just say we're studying grace. We'll have three different sermons on grace. They may, they're related, they may not be continued. Usually Sunday morning, Sunday night are continued, but not always. Because it's a whole lot easier to study one subject and get three sermons out of it than it is to study three different subjects and do, and, and do three different sermons. And you won't do, you know, the congregation learns a lot more, in my judgment, if you do a lot of deep study and you present it over three lessons than if you do shallow study and do it over three lessons. Now, three different topics don't have, do not have to be shallow, but it's easier to get deep if you're, in the same, if you're studying the same material and you're able to use it as the day, as the day progresses. Now, then, after it's been preached as a sermon, I write it as a bulletin article. I may or may, may, not, may not be that week. It may be three months later or six months later, but it'll come back around. Most people won't even remember it by then. And it's a bulletin article. Then after it's a bulletin article, or sometimes a series of bulletin articles, one sermon usually is three bulletin articles. Then it becomes a tract. You know, I've got 2019's tracts written now, except I've got two pamphlets to go, I think. Um, and they'll all be done for the whole year, and then I can start on 2020. Well, most of those were sermons. I'll start with their Bible classes, and then there were bulletin articles. And then after their tracks, they'll become Bible class, uh, Bible class, a chapter in a book. So what are you doing? You're overlapping. You're using the same material. I remember going and sitting in Wendell Winkler's home in Tuscaloosa not too long before he died. I said, Brother Winkler, how did you do all you got done? I mean, you know, you were preaching and meetings and local work and directing a school and writing books. How did you do books? He said, um, he said uh, which one was it? Uh, studying Sin Seriously and Heart Diseases and Their Cure. Every one of us has read those books and taught them, probably most of us. He said those were Sunday night sermons. He said, I'll preach through that material over every Sunday night for 13 weeks. And then I had a book. And it was one of those... Duh moments. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Why, why didn't I ever think of that? So that, that's really made an impression. So overlapping. Um, the next one is clustering. Clustering is, uh, I, I try to send a birthday card and anniversary card to every member of the congregation every year. And we, I do that instead of trying to get out cards every day. And, you know, these three people have a birthday this week or these ten people, whatever it is. Do a whole month at a time. And I have one of our secretaries to address them. They don't put, they put post-it on them because I don't keep up with it. They just address them. So I'll know who I'm writing the card to. Set the boxes on the table. They'll say, you know, you need to get these cards this week if you can come by. So I'll go in student center where one of the secretaries is working since we don't have office right now. I'll just do all the cards, you know, for a full month. How long does that take? Mm, Ten minutes, maybe. Not much time. If I had to get it out every day and remember to do it, I'm on the road a lot, a lot of them would just get skipped, you know, or it would take a lot longer 
clustering like items. Phone calls are that way. You know, I, I don't take phone calls usually. I wait and I return three calls at a time. I try to get people just to email me because I can't remember what we said on the phone, but I remember what, you know, I got a record of the email. But phone calls are that way, cluster them together. It takes less time to return three calls back to back to back than it does to make three calls three different days. Why? Because you are saying, well, I got uh, to get this next call made. You know, even if you didn't say that to the person you called, in the back of your mind, you're like, I got to finish this up. I got another call to make before. And I also make calls on the road. You know, you got to do something while you're driving, so make calls. And that's a good uh, uh, overlapping. Use tools, number four. The busier you are, the more important your calendar is. Um, you know, you got to use an electronic calendar now. So just put it on there, and then, uh, you know, then you can overlap. You can plan your visits. You know, if you've got to make four visits, well, plan them ahead of time. Say, I'm going to visit this one, and then that's close to this one and this one. We're going to go make all these visits. Brother Winkler used to say that he only visited one day a week, and he and his coworker would go, and they would spend eight hours visiting in Houston or wherever. I think it was, that's what he was referring to. He said, we would go, begin in hospitals at 8 o'clock in the morning because they'll let you visit hospitals earlier than you can visit in personal homes. And we would go, and we would make uh, 20 visits sometimes in one day. A dozen visits. Oh, yeah, that's clustering. That, that's overlapping. That's using time wisely. And you, a calendar will allow you to, um, you know, you, you, you're planning out, I'm planning out the church calendar for 2019 and 20 right now. So you figure out, you know, well, if this is going to be happening then in town, then we should do this in connection to that. You could put a lot of thought in, into it. So use appropriate tools. Number five, appropriate space. You need to be comfortable. And if you're going to be writing an article, I do write in the van a good bit, but it's not real comfortable. You have to lean the seat back, and then and you can't be in the sun because you can't see, and you strain your eyes. Um, so find a, a comfortable space. There are uh, some things that can be done in a public ambient space, like a Starbucks or a McDonald's for preachers. And then there's some things I just got to go home and get in, a quiet, in my easy chair when nobody's there, and I can focus on it. And there's some things that um, need to be done in concert with other people. So plan that ahead of time. And then appropriate people is the last one on this. There are some people, if you see them walking down the sidewalk towards you, you'll cross over and go down the other sidewalk. You know? And then there are some people, you see them over here, and you'll go over here just so you can intercept them. What's the difference? Some people are positive people. They bring out positive energy in us. They motivate us. They encourage us. Other people are like, was it Linus on Peanuts? You know, they had the little storm cloud always above his head where it was raining. It's people like that. Well, we, we interact with all kinds of people, and we help those kind of people. But to, to get the most done, be around people that energize you, that encourage you, that help you, and be that kind of person to somebody else. All right, number four, find a sustainable pace. That was what we've been talking about this hour. But I wanted to think about Mark 4.31 with you when Jesus was so busy that they did not have leisure even to eat. So he said, come you apart and rest a while to his disciples. So evidently he found them a quiet place and they went over, had a meal together, they rested their feet, they rested their minds because people were coming and asking stuff of them. And there are times in our lives when that's, that's the way life comes at us. I mean, fast and furious. You've got a busy travel schedule. You've got all these lessons prepared. You've got these people that 
need to have Bible studies, and you got, you know, there's just a lot of things in preaching. It's that way. Whatever your job is, you know, I'm sure it gets on top of you sometimes because so many things the boss wants. Well, sometimes we don't take care of ourselves, and that's not good for a sustainable pace. Um, you might get like Elijah in 1 Kings 19 when he sat down on a juniper tree and he requested that he might die. And you got to be pretty low to want to die. And he didn't really want to die because he had just fled from Jezebel who would have killed him if he wanted to die. He could have stayed where he was, but he was just discouraged. You remember what God did for him? God fed him. Angel, cruise of water and the cake. I guess that's where we get angel food cake. You know? <laughs> the angel gave cake to, to him, and then he told him to rest, and he rested. And then woke up, rest. And then he got him some help. And sometimes we have to delegate things. Um, we, have, we have to build a sustainable pace in that we, we need to recognize, let's talk about the, the, the work day. Now, your body's different from others, but there probably are some similarities. But each person has to test, them for the, test this for themselves. I need six and a half hours sleep. That's, that's how much I need. If I get less than that, like I did last night, I'm a little fuzzy-headed today. If I get more than that, I don't need it, and I'll still be fuzzy-headed. So but you may need seven hours. You may need five hours. Gus Nichols slept for four hours, I think. And it's, a wonder, it's no wonder he got so much done. I mean, he had four extra hours for most people. That he they put in study and get up early and study to, while everybody else is still sleeping. And you may need eight hours, and it, and it varies at different times of your life. But but figure that out. Whatever you can function on, get enough sleep. And then, uh, depending on what kind of work you do in preaching, the morning is the best time for concentration work. Uh, you know, reading, writing. For me, afternoons are not good for that. I do it sometimes if I have to, but it's better to do visiting or repetitive task in the afternoon. Incidentally, this is an aside, but if you want to remember something longer, morning is better for short-term memory, but afternoon is better for long-term memory. I don't know why, but that, that's what a research, some research I, said, I read said. And then evenings, um, family time. If you've got family, that's the time to spend with your family. Some Bible studies can only be done at night, you know. And I, I've always been an, a late night person. I could stay up till 12 or 2 and, and write. But last few years, I haven't done that. I just go to bed and get up and work in the morning. So your body may change over time. But find a pace that is sustainable. You also need to include... Um, <clears throat> you, you look at time in, from three different perspectives. From a day, from a week, from a year. And each one of them is the most important in some, in some way. From a predict, pro, productivity standpoint, a day is the most important variant or um, amount. Because everything you do, you do in a day. So if you're going to be productive, you've got to do it in the day. But from a priority standpoint, a week is, a better, uh, is better to weigh your, your use of time. Because one day... You may not finish your project, but in a week, then you can say, well, I've made real progress, or I finished that project, I'm on to the next one. But from a life goal standpoint, which we'll talk about after lunch, the year is the right perspective, because you, you, you get the bigger picture. So look at your life from a day, and try to find the time leaks in your day. Um, here's some t t common time leaks. Socializing, just talking too much, depending on your personality. 
Uh, I had a coworker one time, I could call you your name, his name, and you probably know him. He still tells me this, and he'll laugh about it now, and I don't remember doing it, but he said, um, he said, you, he would always come to the office first thing in the morning. He would go around to every, every office and every person, drinking a cup of coffee, and he would talk to everyone for 10 or 15 minutes. You know, one time I said, his, his name wasn't David, I'm going to say David. I said, David, you waste half your day drinking coffee and talking to people and you're wasting their time too. I probably shouldn't have said that. I regret it. <laughs> and, but he didn't take it wrong. We were, we're good friends. And he, he told me that the other day. He said, you don't even remember saying that, but you, and it helped him, I think, because he, he, he mentioned that it did. Socializing. You know, if you're a talkative person, then be on guard against that. There is a time to talk and there's value in words, but don't waste time socializing. Second is phone. You know, I just mentioned phone earlier. It's an interruption machine. It takes a lot of time. You get your mind. Well, here are some uh, ways to manage the phone better. Have somebody else screen your calls like a secretary. Most of the time they call the office. You know, they don't need to talk to Dave because he, he, do, he doesn't do whatever it is that they need from AP. Same thing with me. You know, they, they say, we want to change a route for house to house. I wouldn't know how to do that if, if my life depended on it. You know, somebody, I don't know how to get in the database. Somebody else does that. Or they may need to change a, an elder died, take him off the front of house to house. Well, I, I can't do that. You know, so they don't need, they just think they need to talk to you because house to house, really, you know, you, you're associated with that in their minds. So, screen calls. <clears throat> and they'll be happier too. They don't want to talk to me and then get routed to somebody else and waste their time. So, screen calls. Number two, save up calls and return them over time. Uh, number three, don't take too long on any one call. You know, be, be cognizant of the fact, that's one reason I don't like to talk on the phone much is because I just have this personality. Once I start talking, it's like, you know, I can't ever hang up. So, but I've learned through the years to say, uh, thank you for calling, I guess I better go. And nobody's ever offended by that, you know? They're, they're like, they got stuff to do too. So, screen calls, uh, and then be, be aware, that's number three. That's all I'll say about that. Next one is mail, uh, opening mail, you get a lot of junk mail, don't you? don't have to open everything, just chunk it. And then, don't touch a piece of mail twice. You know, the measles approach, whenever you pick one up, if you don't know what to do with it, you put a dot on it, and once it looks like it's got the measles, you've definitely been holding that piece of paper too long. You, know, you want to delegate it to somebody else. I'll say, you know, give this to somebody. Would you take care of this for me? Like a, I'll be a Bible course that needs to be grading, graded. Well, somebody else will do that. You know, just pass it on. Don't hold up the Bible study just because you're not getting around to it. All right, let's talk about the last one and then we'll finish maybe a little early. Well, right on time. Uh, overcoming unpleasant and overwhelming tasks. Uh, the PTP schedule is an example of this. And it's a, it takes about 500 hours to put that thing together. I kept up with it one year. It's just very time consuming. And so I dread it. And I say, well, I'm going to start that next week. <laughs> I'll start that, well, I don't know. I got some time yet. You know, that's not the way to do big projects. The way to do big projects is divide them in pieces. Like I'll tell myself, I'm going to do the, the scholars think tank part of it. And I'll say, Jeff, send me the speakers and the topics, you know, and I'll plug those in. And that's also delegation. You see, that's one way to get things done. If somebody knows more about it anyway, involve them. They'll do a better job than you would. But don't abdicate responsibility. If he doesn't get it to me, guess what? He's going to be getting an email, you know, in about 
a month or whenever I really need it. I say, Jeff, you had time to get to that? And he'll say, oh, I've been waiting on so-and-so to get back. He hasn't got back. I'll get back with him. You know, that's how it works pretty much every year. Uh, I, I might say... <laughs> what an asset. Uh, I'll say to myself, I'm going to do the college program of the PCP schedule. And that only takes... Well, i got somebody else who does that now, too. Let me think of what I actually do. Uh, I delegated that to a youth college minister up at Lexington. He's great at it. Anyway, I'll divide. I'll say I'm going to do, I'm going to do work on it for 10 minutes. I could do it for 10 minutes. You know? And then once I get to 10 minutes, it's like... Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to work up. Then the juicy, you know when you play basketball, you, you're, you're familiar with the phrase work up a sweat or break a sweat? Anyway, that means that you've been playing long enough that you've gotten limbered up. The same thing happens with the mind. You get limbered up. You, you know, you dread this and you get into it. And it's like, you know, you forget time. So that's what, one way to work with overwhelming tasks is divide and conquer, delegate, or just say to yourself, I'm going to work for 10 minutes and then I'll stop. And if you, don't, if you want to stop at 10 minutes, just stop and do 10 minutes tomorrow, eventually. Then with unpleasant tasks, <clears throat> uh, delegate. It might not be unpleasant for somebody else to do, so ask them to do it. If they're putting off something like a phone call, um, I'll, sometimes I'll just eventually say to our director of operations, Luke, would you call this guy back and say what he needs? I'm, I've been, he's waiting on me for a week and I hadn't got around to it. And normally he'll just come back and say, yeah, he didn't really need you. He just needed this whatever. You know, so I'd pass it on. You could also do with unpleasant task first thing in the morning. Um, you got to swallow goldfish, just get it over with. You know, just do it and be done with it. Put it where you'll remember it. Put it... The door that you're going to go, go out to go to work, put it right there. Put it on your desk on top when you leave the day before. First thing I come in, I'm going to do this. And then you're done with it. You know, it's usually not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Just do it get it over with. Um, <clears throat> one thing about, and I'll close with this, but one thing about time management is um, when you get out of bed in the morning before your feet hit the floor, Know what you're going to do that day. In my mind, I go through shower, keys, car, newspaper, McDonald's, office, visit. In my mind, I go through, and sometimes it changes because you know what's going to come. But what that does is it keeps you moving through the day. Your mind already knows what's next. You wouldn't think that's a big deal, but it is. And you know... It climatizes you to what you're going to be doing that day. So, and I also have this rule. Some people call it the rule of three before eight. But uh, you might say nine or you might say ten. But before your feet hit the floor in the morning, you say, if I don't do anything else today, I'm going to do these three things. And try to put a time limit to it. I'm going to do these three things by eight o'clock. Then I know my day's been successful no matter if I get anything else done the rest of the day. So it's, it's about planning and then it's about execution. <clears throat> um, Bear Bryant was once asked by an alumnus of the university, why don't we get the great European sport of rowing at Alabama? And he said in his throaty drawl, as long as I'm AD, we ain't going to do nothing where you sit down and go backwards. <laughs> You know, in your life, don't sit down and don't go backwards. Always keep moving forward. Thank you for your attention this morning.
In the good book we're told how to the saints of old. Jesus has said, go feed my sheep. As he commanded, when was he commanded? When Jesus' children feed my sheep. Be my child and more of these. Be my child more than these. Yes, these. These are the words of old by our Lord. Was told. And today Jesus says, These are my sheep. Lovest thou me, my child, more than thee? Lovest thou me, my child, more than thee? As of old, so today, hear the Lord, he will say, Lovest thou me, more than these, feed my sheep. Jesus commanded those who would obey his call, Go to the lost and bring them in. Bring ye the wanderers home, wherever they may roam. Help them eternal life to win. Lovest thou me, my child, more than thee? Lovest thou me, my child, more than thee? These are the words, Peter of old, by our Lord then was told. And today Jesus says, these are my sheep. Lovest thou me, my child, more than thee? Lovest thou me, my child, more than thee? As of old, so today, hear the Lord, he will say, Lovest thou me more than these, feed my sheep. Aubrey, what do we have now? Is there any announcements? Okay, uh, do we have someone lined up to pray, or would you like me to do that? What's that? Okay, all right, if you would, um, let's all bow together and give thanks. Our gracious Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this day, the opportunity to come here together, Father, to learn more about your word, how we can be better servants for you, how we can understand you more, what our purpose is. Father, we're so thankful for each other, your church that you've created for us to be a family, to learn from each other, to learn from your word. Father, we pray that you'll bless this time we have together. We pray that you'll bless those who have prepared food and who are serving us. Father, we pray that you'll bless the food now to our bodies and use to glorify your name. It's through your precious son's name that we pray. Amen.